Dear fellow redeemed in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's Word which serves as the basis for this morning's sermon, the Holy Spirit has caused to be recorded in Mark chapter 7, and I'm referring especially to the second half of that reading. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your Word is truth. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, so says St. Paul in Romans chapter 10. But we should not misunderstand this. Paul is not talking here about the ability to hear. Faith does not come by human ability. It's nothing that you can possibly do. Impossible for us. It comes only from the Word of God. After all, the gospel doesn't preach himself. That's the context. That's the reason of Paul's words here. The gospel needs a preacher, and it also needs hearers. Now, I suppose this requirement would place a huge burden on both preachers and hearers. On the one hand, preachers need to make themselves heard. And not themselves, of course, but the Word of God they are commissioned to preach. On the other hand, hearers need to set aside time in their busy, from their busy lives. They need to sanctify the holy day, as it were, to hear and learn the Word of God. Without the kind of preaching and hearing that's going on right now and every Sunday every, uh, in this place, there is no faith, there is no believing, there's no Christianity, there's no church. Faith comes by hearing. Very well. But what does a preacher do when the people don't hear? And what do the people do if they don't have preachers who preach? Even St. Paul presents them with this challenge. How shall they hear without a preacher? The assumption is that they can't and they won't. When we stop to consider the sheer necessity of having preachers, and good preachers at that, preachers who won't confuse law and gospel, leaving their hearers more condemned than before they began preaching, if we don't have that, if we understand the necessity of that, rather, then we will understand well the necessity of sending Lutheran missionaries into the world and preparing young pastors who will seek and shepherd the next generation of lost sinners. But this brings us back to the problem. After everything is said and done, when the missionaries are fully funded and duly installed in their places of ministry, when the seminarian has completed his training and been placed in his parish or assumed his missionary post, how then can he be certain that his people are going to listen to anything he has to say. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the suggestion here is that some people don't have ears, which is just another way to say that they don't listen. And for this reason, Jesus spoke in parables. He explains himself in Matthew chapter 13, and quoting Jesus, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And what is the preacher to do when the people he has sent, he's sent to, don't have ears? 
What if they hear the sound of the gospel, it comes into their ear like noise, but there's no understanding whatsoever? What if they hear only with their ears and not with their minds and hearts? This is the most difficult question the missionary faces, and obviously every pastor as well. What's the, what's the point in spending several hours preparing a sermon if the people are not going to listen to it anyway? I don't know. Maybe I should spend more time removing the obstacles that would keep them away from church to begin with, that would keep them away from hearing. Maybe I should focus on perfecting my missionary methods and making sure that the conditions are optimal for the most effective hearing possible. The village of Palmar Ariba, where I serve as pastor, is possibly and likely the noisiest place on the planet. A mixture of the sounds of motorcycles without mufflers. They intentionally remove their mufflers because they don't make enough noise the way they are. That mixed with constant yelling and screaming in the street, rooster fighting, dog barking, and the booming sound of reggaeton music. You know what that is. It's the most ungodly sound in the world. All of this makes it extremely difficult to think, to say nothing of preaching a sermon. It's the reality. As you can imagine, the language barrier exacerbates the hearing problem. I preach in Spanish, but with an American accent. I rely on the rules of Spanish. I speak proper Spanish, I suppose, but I'm communicating with folks who are mostly illiterate. Now, these are the sweetest, kindest people I've ever met in my life. When I arrive at their homes to make evangelism calls, it doesn't matter if they know me or not, they pull out their plastic chairs and they give me the best place to sit in. They expect me to preach because I'm the preacher after all. They appear to listen but after everything is said and done, it's very difficult to determine how much they understood, if indeed they were listening, or whether they were just marveling at the spectacle of a foreigner in their house. All this still leads me to wonder, what if they aren't really listening? What if they are seeing without really seeing and hearing without really hearing and understanding? How can we make people listen? How can we be sure? The temptation, of course, is to figure out first how to make them hear. Get them to church by whatever means necessary. Fix their hearing problem. Everything depends on your method. And once you have muted out all the noise and converted them into the best hearers on the planet, once you have civilized these folks, then and only then will they be able to hear the gospel and be saved. But what is this kind of thinking but to completely miss the problem and underestimate the power of God's Word and overestimate the ability of the missionary himself? It doesn't depend on you. In the gospel account for today Jesus illustrates how people come to faith. Did you notice the method he used? They brought him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. 
and then they begged him to heal him. Did you notice how Jesus did it, how he healed him? Mark tells us that he took him aside privately. Now, here's his method. This is the method of Jesus. He took him aside privately. He put his finger into his ear. He spit. He touched his tongue. He looked up into heaven. He sighed. And then he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. But consider this. It was not by putting his fingers into the man's ears that he gave him his hearing. Touching the man's tongue did not give him his speech. Looking up into heaven did not give Jesus the power to do what he did. Jesus, the eternal word, who was with God in the beginning by whom all things were made, this is the one who spoke by his own majestic power. And he spoke in perfect Aramaic. Ephatha, be opened. He spoke and it was done in the way that only God can do it. He who was deaf could hear perfectly. He who was mute could speak plainly. It was a miracle. It was a sign. The sign signified that not only Jesus was who He said He was, signified how God wants to deal with us today. He wants to deal with us in the same way. He wants to deal with us through His Word. It's no different in the Dominican Republic as it is here or anywhere else on earth. There's no difference. The real problem is that there is no difference. If you were here during Bible class, you, you heard me speak of some of the differences between here and the Dominican Republic, all sorts of differences, language differences, uh, is probably in cultural differences. But for all these differences, we have much more in common with these folks than we realize. Because St. Paul says, there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is to say, all of us are spiritually deaf and blind by nature. The devil has stopped our ears. He's bound our tongues. The only difference is that, unlike the deaf mute that Jesus healed miraculously, we don't know that we're deaf and mute. And that's, that's the universal human condition. People are deaf, but they think, they think they can hear. But what are they hearing? They're just hearing their own racket in their own mind, the racket in the world, and their, that their sinful flesh and the world are talking about, and that mixed with our own excuses and self-justifications, all that noise. We don't even realize that we're deaf to the things of God. People are mute, but they think they can speak. They don't understand a word God says, and they don't know what they're talking about either. Such is our native spiritual condition. And we think, obviously, because our superstitions, because our religiosity is more, is more sophisticated than those of a Caribbean island where they practice santeria and voodoo and, all, and pray to saints and do all sorts of stuff, we think that perhaps our condition isn't quite as bad, but it is. By nature, it's the same thing. We're deaf and mute. We cannot believe God or come to, in Christ or come to Him by our own reason or strength, and we cannot confess Him. St. Paul writes, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The deaf mute knew he couldn't hear, he knew he couldn't speak. He knew that only Jesus could give him his hearing back and enable him to speak plainly. And that's necessary for us as well, because understanding our helplessness is necessary if we're going to be helped. We hear the lies of men, of course, all the time. It's probably 99 out of 100 waking hours a week. We're hearing what the world says, even if we spend one hour here on Sunday morning. That's quite a, the, uh, the competition between the world and, and, and God. And that's why when we hear God's truth, by nature, we, it comes across to us like a scandal, like it couldn't possibly be true. It doesn't comport with anything that we experience or see or hear. The Jews request a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, this is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But to us, to us who are called, to us whose ears are opened and whose tongues are loosed, Christ, the power and wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus sighed and then He spoke. He sighed as one who was doing battle because that's what was going on right here in this gospel lesson. He's doing battle for His people. He's bringing in His kingdom, establishing His rule. He sees His people caught in the power that they cannot overcome, and He comes to deliver them. As little as a deaf man can choose to hear, so little can an unbeliever choose to make himself into a believer. He wouldn't want it were it not for the voice of God making him able. As little as a mute man can speak clearly, so little can an unbeliever confess. Only God can bring us to faith. Only God can enable us to make the good confession. And He does so, and He is doing so through His Word. Ephatha, be opened. That's what's happening right now. We're hearing we confess. Yes, the Word of God creates the capacity to hear. God's Word says hear, and then it makes you able to hear. Come to me, all you who labor and are, and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It gives you rest. It makes you what you are, makes you a saint. And in the text here, the crowd witnessed it all, even as you witness it today. Jesus told them not to tell anybody, but they went ahead and preached it anyway. Jesus would not send out His preachers to preach until He had finished His work to do. That's why He told them not to tell people. The word that delivered the deaf mute was a word of war against the devil and all the powers of hell. It was the fiercest battle that was ever fought. This is the battle that was fought by Jesus on the cross when He looked the weakest. This is where He was the most powerful. Because there in Christ's crucifixion, Jesus accomplished what He set out to do. There is perfect healing for you and for me. 
Christ's death destroyed our death, and His resurrection from the dead is our absolution, our pardon, our guarantee of eternal life. Jesus sighed, and He opened the man's ears and tongue. He sighed, and then He picked up His own cross, and it was there that He suffered for us. And when He did, He validated all of the words of promise that God had ever spoken to His people of old. He faced all the evil that they suffered. He suffered all the guilt of sin that they ever committed. Everything that makes us dead and puts us in the grave, He bore on Himself. He took it upon Himself and He removed it from us forever. And the power with which Jesus took His life back from death because He could, because He's God, He just snatched it back with the same power the, same, uh, the power with which He opened up His tomb is the same power with which He opens our ears to hear and believe this Word. How can you be sure that the nations will hear the Word of God? Well, because hearing comes by the Word of God, and we have the Word of God. We have it in all its truth and purity, committed to us by the prophets And the Word of God, this very Word of God, which we preach, confess, believe, confess, this is the very power of God that leads us to salvation. I don't rely on myself. You don't rely on yourself. We can't. But we do have God's Word. And of that we can and we must be certain. And even when the mission appears dry, the mission field appears dry and barren, and unbelief and ignorance and superstition abound in the face of every honest missionary effort, God's promise in Isaiah chapter 55 does not disappoint. It is the certain truth. It is always true. And that is that That is where he says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Every time a person comes to faith today, when Tobias was baptized, for instance, that was a miracle. No different from the miracle that Jesus performed in today's gospel lesson. The same power, the same voice of Jesus, creating life, making a Christian, accomplishing that for which God sent it. May God continue to open ears and loose tongues, both here and abroad, to believe and confess this saving truth, this truth that saves us in Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.